Okay, here we go. Uh, welcome everybody, the millions of you that are surely listening, to the second podcast of Logical and Right, that is Right with a W, as in Wright County. Uh, for our second official interview, we have Jeremiah Patrick, who is the sole challenger to our current mayor here in Buffalo. And I'm going to turn it over to him and let him explain how he got here to Buffalo and uh, his thoughts on basically his campaign. And we will have a nice little banter back and forth and then uh, think of some questions. So I'm going to turn it over to Jeremiah. There you go. Well, thank you, Daniel. Uh, So I've been in this area for a couple of years now. I was actually brought out here by my wife. Uh, her family has deep, deep roots going back here, past grandfathers, probably into great-grandfathers, and uh, was in Roseville at the time and met her and decided that uh, coming out here to live was far better than living in the cities, and I'm very glad that I did that. Um, at the time, two, three years back, I'd been pursuing a master's degree in electrical engineering, uh, and all of a sudden I turned around and saw the world had just gone on top of its head. Uh, I decided that that was when I needed to start getting more and more involved because, uh, well, right now I've got a 16-month-old little girl, and I haven't seen a great deal to make me very confident that public leaders were actually going, with the ability to, were going to uh, be able to fight back and on my and her uh, part. So went around, uh, been trying to do grassroots a little bit here and there, been trying to... Uh, figure out how the bits and pieces work. Um, One of the more frustrating things I think a lot of people find, especially when uh, the Jay Johnsonville flag fiasco went down, is that people don't understand how things actually fit together. Then they go in there when something's wrong and then they get upset because they don't understand how the pieces fit together and they expect that they can just go in and say what they want. The people that show up every single time to meetings or through processes, People hired by the city, city councilor, mayor, administrator, so on and so forth, are upset because these people are just coming in. They've never had a reason to come in before, and now they expect that they're going to be able to turn over everything. And I'm trying to be that person in between who's going, okay, people coming in, you guys are concerned, you guys are upset. I've spent the time actually learning this is how the pieces fit together. This is the process to do this. This is the time to do this. This is how this fits together. And I'm hoping that my efforts thus far have in some small way been able to tell the other side of the people listen these people are really upset you guys came off like this this isn't terribly great but perhaps there's a different way things can be done and to that i also then want to be one of the people who are up there welcoming these people in because uh, i feel like there's more opportunities that can be had by a person with that kind of bent of mind to really open up the city government for people who typically feel like they're not being heard, who typically feel like, you know, it's just city hall. It's that thing over there, we have government, we need it. It's almost like a tap where you turn it on and off. But at the end of the day, you really wanna know that it's actually working for you. And as people of my parents' generation were told, well, you just vote for the right person. Well, we really can't do that anymore these days. You have to get a little bit more involved, if nothing else. Very understandable. Um, 
What, uh, well, what are, what are your visions for the city and how might they differ from the direction you and I think a lot of us see it going right now? So my biggest vision for the city at this point is I want to keep Buffalo, this wonderful little small town where people can raise their kids. Um, I've lived in many, many places since I graduated high school. I think it's been about 16 to 20 unique addresses. It's Whoa. been a lot. Um, you got me beat. I, yeah, and even managed to do that without the military. Don't know how, but, um, but I've done that. So I've lived a lot of places and I've seen the effects of a lot of different things. And one of the things I note is that people tend to move into specific places for specific things. And people move, have moved out here to raise their family. Good schools, it's quiet. Uh, people tend to like a lot of green around them, a lot of uh, trees, fields, agriculture around here. It's, it's a small town. It's Wright County. It's quiet here. You can raise your kids without having to worry so much about, well, being in Minneapolis and all the wonderful things that go along with that. But there's been a trend in the last 10 years or so that, well, Buffalo should really be the next Wayzata. And of course, Wayzata is, I'm assuming, attempting trying to be the next, call it Hopkins, call it Plymouth, Brooklyn Center, trying to effectively become a bigger and bigger and bigger city. And to be honest, the question I would really ask is how big is big enough? Because we've got 16 to 17,000 people living in this city right now. Our population has tripled inside of 30 years. And I think it's actually higher than that within that period of time. And if people have moved out here specifically because they want to have uh, a quiet time, they want to be able to raise their kids in relative peace, they like the low density, all of these wonderful things, well... If we're supposed to be custodians, and when I say we, I assume uh, the city council, the mayor, the people who have been entrusted with the public will to be able to make decisions for the future, doesn't it behoove us then to try and push for specifically what our citizens are asking for? Um, I think the city issued something like 1,300 building permits last year. Uh, I think a significant portion of that was for new construction as well. I mean... Any, you don't even have to take my word on that. You just go around here and you see there's new development around here all the time. Right outside from where I live over on Highway 12 and Lake Boulevard, they're about to drop in a dozen townhomes in an area which up until now has had a big beautiful tree on top of it and then a little hill where kids would go sledding or people would walk through in the area. Well, that's about to be turned into a dozen townhomes. Uh, we've seen other glimpses of things like this. We've seen the ALO apartments. We've seen the Havenwood apartments. These big, big buildings that get dropped in. ALO is the building that's next to St. Francis Xavier. Oh, uh, The apartment block. What? Yeah. And then is the other, uh, what is the one right across from downtown liquor store? That's Havenwood. Got it. So both of those were built. People weren't really happy with them because they don't match the style. They don't really fit the town at all. They don't fit the way that Buffalo has been traditionally, which is uh, typically your skyline is trees. But if you start building more buildings like this, you're going to have to start to have a skyline of buildings, which some people might want. But then again, those people who want that live in Roseville. They live in Shoreview. They live in Edina. They live in any of these other places inside the ring or right around the ring. I work in Plymouth. 
I can't tell you the number of these massive buildings I've seen popping up. Why even go that far? Monticello has had three of these absolutely massive buildings, if not more of them, farm fields just being plowed under in these big buildings. Now, it's not to say people don't have the ability to live where they want. I, I get that. I really, really do. But at the same time, if we're supposed to be custodians for the future, we need to decide how are we going to properly take care of our town. And this actually leads into something that I'm very concerned about, and I think quite a few people are as well, uh, is water. Now, if you don't know, Buffalo is entirely fed by one aquifer. All of our water that comes in is from rain and snow. We have no other water that comes in by river, lake, anything else like that. So the water issue, I believe, is uh, become a big deal or we've only been out here less than two years, but um, we had to spend a pretty chunk of money to get a Connecticut system because the water was looking like whiskey or apple juice sometimes. And the guy that installed it for us, the wonderful John Schultz, uh, said that at one point it was great water out here and then it started not being so great and uh he i believe he said that there were plenty of inquiries into the city about this and basically never never really given anything other than eh, water tables change uh we don't really know so i don't know specifically on that point i do know however that over the course of the next year or two, there are two major projects underway to replace. And then when I say ancient, I really mean ancient. We're talking 100-year-old sewer lines and water lines. Like cast iron. That... Cast. Well, so do you remember last year when nobody was allowed to swim in Lake Buffalo for uh, a short period of time? Yes. Yep. Yep. That was because a sewer main broke down there, and we're talking like old clay pipes. Ew. So as part of the Highway 25 redevelopment that's going on through there, that's getting restored. Uh, Division Street is going to be torn up. All the nice pavers over there are going to be replaced with lower maintenance asphalt. And while they're there, they're going to be replacing some of the old water mains and sewer mains from cast iron to something significantly more modern. Now, that's about my limits of knowledge as far as why your water might have a color. I know that the, the, the city water people are actually pretty decent and pretty responsive when you ask them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I, I don't know how much they're able to figure out why things are one way or another. It's not like you can just go stick your head in the dirt and look at the pipe and go, ah, there it is. Yep, yep, sure. But no, the, the thing actually I'm talking about is, did you know that we've been underneath a water restriction already for over a month? I did not. So it was brought to the city council's attention back in April, give or take, that the current levels of the aquifer... They check all the pumps. We have five in Buffalo. Uh, two are in sets of two. So one and two, three and four, and then there's five. So those look as if it's August already with the amount of water that's left in them in an average year. So we're just at the start of summer, and it already looks like we've gone through a summer in terms of how much water is left in our aquifer. And that's because we had a really, really bad year due to drought. Now, one of the major reasons... As in last summer. Last summer, Got absolutely. It. Now, one of the major reasons that there's a watering restriction ban 
Uh, I think it's even odd right now. It could turn into something more. That does sound familiar, yeah. But currently, the only water that exists in the city is drinkable. It's not like they have a, I guess, a generic water and a potable water line. Everything oh. is the same line. So all the water that you spread on your lawn or uh, attempt to grow plants with, everything, all of that is the same water you use to drink, go to the bathroom, cook your food. So that's nice for all the times I drink out of the hose. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's real what works which well is, for that, which is not a joke. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I had a chance to talk to Kara, who's the head of the water department, and she told me it takes about two years for the rain that you get today to actually get down to the aquifer to be able to be pumped in. So in other words, it, it looks wonderful right now. Things are green, the lakes are high, but it's going to be about 2024 by the time we actually see that water trickle 300 feet down through the earth and get down to the point where we're going to be able to start pulling it up with the pumps. Oh, that is interesting. So now this all seems roundabout. I mean, it's an explanation, but here's the point. Buffalo is now 16 to 17,000 people. So how many more people can this aquifer actually supply water for? And it's a really serious question and one that uh, when I've asked the various people in the city, uh, Jason Museberger, who's the utilities director, uh, I believe I've asked Kara on this once or twice, they've said, you know, we're concerned about this because it's our actual ability to get water. Now, why can't we just go drill another well? Well, wells are expensive for a start. We're talking, I think, five to six figures at least per each time you drill, and then there's no guarantee you're going to hit water. There are aquifers to the north and south of us, but as with all resources, the state of Minnesota is very, very specific about how things are, uh, how water is handled, unfortunately. We're going to do a little pause for a six-year-old. Okay, we are back from our little six-year-old break. Continue, Jeremiah. So... After talking with them, they're relatively concerned about uh, the state of the water table. And realistically, the state of Minnesota, uh, we actually pay the state of Minnesota to pump water out of the ground, which sounds terrible. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at some sort of resource management, it's a market. I honestly don't know too much more than that. But at the end of the day, they decide who gets to go into which area for what amount that you can pump out of the ground. We live on one aquifer. We're a little bit unique in that we have one aquifer all to ourselves. It's not huge, but it's not tiny. We would have to do an extensive amount of work then to then go to the south or go to the north. Stacks of permits, time, things Money. of that nature. And we may not be able necessarily to pump out that much more water out of the ground. So it's kind of a cost uh, analysis on that one. So basically how much how, how many more people do we want to pack in here with uh townhouses and apartments before well even all... even with single family homes i mean let's be let's be very blunt about things if we want to have a very good look at it let's take a look at the colorado river and then let's let's look at la la is under almost a permanent water restriction at this point because of how many people they have in one place and i don't want buffalo to turn into this and this is where uh, I have some friends who are very, very libertarian-leaning, very much free to be able to do what you want. But one of the points of being a public servant 
and especially for having a government that like the one we have a local government is that you need to be able to look after the resources that you have and be able to say it doesn't make sense that we grow much farther than this it doesn't make sense that we attempt to put a greater strain on our resources than what we have we could hypothetically support a much larger population but does that mean we're all gonna have to go down to everybody gets you know X number of gallons per day and then we'll just turn off your water when you're done with it I would personally not prefer not to see anything like that I'm not saying the City Council has proposed anything like that but after a certain point when you have so many people in one place you have to be pretty extreme in order to make sure there's enough water just for us all to drink I've talked to a few people, and I as well am very interested in your thoughts on keeping downtown historic and, well, keeping its old charm. Because I can tell you that when we first looked out here and saw the house, I can't remember if it was that same day or if it was after we moved here, um, my wife and I were both just blown away at how wonderful the downtown was. And it looked like all of those old cities that you drive through, like on your way up north. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people are kind of concerned with it disappearing or it, uh, you know, becoming something that it hasn't been kind of like the drugstore disappearing and the movie theater disappearing do you have thoughts on that so your concern is a hundred percent uh realized i used to own a house in hopkins once upon a time and i owned it before hopkins i owned it in about 2015 time frame so right before hopkins turned into what it is today when you have a what is it four square block apartment complex downtown and just the whole town all of a sudden changing from this nice quiet place into what it is today um i like the downtown charm of buffalo and i think one of the major things as odd as it might sound that keeps it with its charm is height more than anything else oh, yeah. we've got about three stories high on a lot of these old buildings that was about the highest they went and that's enough where trees are going to define your skyline you're going to be able to see the tops of building typically they're brick so you can see some craftsmanship some worksmanship um, and these things are are little bits of charm that make you go well not everything looks the exact same I mean it's not like you go and drive through the cities or you go up to see these big apartment complexes and they're all vinyl sided they're all cookie cutter the exact same style exact same spacing on everything and it all looks the exact same it drives you nuts because it's like human beings human beings aren't carbon copies of each other we're all a little bit unique and we like our surroundings to be just that little bit unique as well i know there's a big drive to in the words of some revitalize downtown but the same people i've heard say well we need to revitalize downtown are the same ones that currently praise the major business which is in downtown and the major business in downtown is what's colloquially referred to as sometime shops these oh, are consignment stores so somebody gets the building they subdivide the building they then rent to several people these people then each run consignment shops they get their money in at the beginning of the month they're open for and they get their money from the people who want to sell things in their shops so they're open one weekend a month 
And then whoever is running the shop is paid because they have the consignment material and whoever owns the building gets paid. And so you've got profitable businesses, at least for one weekend a month, which is just enough to keep the lights on. If they're fantastically wealthy, I can't be more thrilled about it than that. But when you have a large number of businesses in downtown that are only open one weekend a month, you can't really continually drive people back in over and over and over. Now, the movie theater in downtown was bought by the same company that owns the theaters in St. Michael and in Monticello. So until somebody wants to come along and actually pay them for that, they're keeping it empty so that it will drive people to the theaters in St. Michael and Monticello. Yeah. Now, another problem that downtown has for some sort of revitalization is that, uh, so the 2040 vision plan, which can be found on the city's website, goes into a number of different things that were looked at. Uh, a big thrust of what was discussed while the 2040 plan was being discussed is we want to be walkable, we want to have amenities, we want people to be able to get everything they need to on foot. And seniors were mentioned a great deal as well. Havenwood is actually a senior living center. There's three things that generally seniors want. They want to get to the grocery store, they want to get to the pharmacy, they want to get to the post office. It's just the three general things. Well, the post office currently is right across from City Hall. Great, that one's solved. Back in the day, which I don't think that day was that far off, might be longer than I think, there used to be a Coburn's in downtown where... Uh, where Havenwood currently stands. I believe that is correct. I've heard that. And that one was closed down. And in about 2014 or 2016, a study was done looking at the viability and profit for building another grocery store. And it basically came down to this. If you build on Highway 55, your profit per square foot will be double what it is if you build in downtown. So effectively, anybody who would decide to build some sort of grocery store, restaurant, things like that, is going to have a hard time doing that because, well, look at the new Coburns. Where did they build? Right on 55, because that's where all the traffic is located. Downtown should be thought less in my mind as a downtown. Our downtown, to be very honest, is really Highway 55 and 25. The city kind of coalesces around that corridor at this point, and that's where all the major services are. Downtown, in my mind, should almost be called a historical district at this point. And if we have the ability to create some sort of unique functionality, some sort of unique business niche that we could leverage ourselves into, great. But the designs that came out from the 2040 plans primarily spoke of the architectural style called five over one, which is you have your bottom floor as a shop a restaurant, something like that, and then you have as many layers on top as you can stack of apartment blocks. The current thrust of the city council, and especially the mayor, at this point is to take the old government center and turn that into an apartment block as big and tall as they can possibly make it to increase the tax base. Now, again, we, we've just spoke about water, which is a major concern that I have about increasing the sheer amount of uh, people we have. Speaking of which, I believe we're almost at capacity or at capacity for our water purification plant to actually get the drinking water that we have. So that's another point of concern. 
But right now, you go down to Sturgis Park, you go down to What's the Scoop, Forget Me Not, the Farmer's Market. It's relatively peaceful. It's relatively quiet. You can walk around there without too many problems. It's not like there's a crazy amount of traffic. Well, what happens when you drop, say, 300 more apartment units on there? Assume that uh, the government center gets turned into 300 units, which that's not you know too terribly crazy of a size of thing. I mean, six acres, you could do that. But then if every other place in downtown starts becoming an apartment block as well, all of a sudden, all the roads that you currently have, whatever traffic problems you could consider that you had right now are going to be nothing compared to what it's going to become. Downtown is currently girdled by the railroad. That's just the way it is. So are we going to have to then come up with some other sort of oddball design to be able to make sure that people can actually get in and out right now? I mean, I I personally think I like downtown. I want to attract some more people. And the best way that we could do that at this point would be solving our debt problems, be able to lower tax levies, lower the cost of utilities, and actually make it an inviting place to bring people in versus saying, well, obviously what we have here is this is just isn't working. We just don't have enough people. Because... There, there are people. They're all around here. They want to have a reason to come in here. Uh, there used to be a thing, from what I've been told, called Club 22. And this used to be a cafe built explicitly for high school students. You would get weekends, sometimes from what I understand, 300 kids going down there. They would have live music. They would have snacks, sodas, things like that. You had something else I've heard desired is I want something for my kids to do. There's nothing to do in Buffalo. Let's try and bring something like that back. There's space in downtown. Hayes Public House is downtown, and that's great, so long as you're 21 or older. But if you're under 21, I mean, there's Sturgis Park, but there's not a lot else. There are many things that we could probably do that we could try and take a look at. I'm just terribly concerned that you build up and how long does it actually take to actually bring those large buildings down? I grew up in Milwaukee, not too far away from Chicago. And the last time that you had really, really big buildings come down is when they demolished the projects. Hmm. And that took 60 years almost. And even then, those buildings were in terrible condition not long after they built. It's not to say these won't be either, but it's the longevity specifically of those buildings that they'll just stay there forever. And another thing that, again, like I said, I've lived in a lot of places. And there's been a short list of places I've cared about. There's three. And it's all the times that I've actually owned the place where I've lived. And if you really want to keep that small town feel, what's one of the big things about a small town? Everybody owns their house. Now, we don't have that here. And there's no way to force that. And to be honest, owning a place isn't the right option for everybody. I've got that. But I'm really, really concerned where everybody says, well, let's just build more apartments. It, it won't cause any problems whatsoever. We get more tax base. We get people. We'll hit critical mass for people in downtown. We can build restaurants and, and there will be everybody down there to, to move in. And it'll be great. But how many people are we going to have who are then going to go, well, I'm just renting here. I don't really care about Buffalo. I mean, it's just fine. Or... They decide to move out here, but they don't really care about what's out here already. They're basically just going, eh, it's just another place I'm renting. I'll just, you know, come in here and here I am. 
and no matter what happens, I can just move away because I'm renting. It doesn't matter. When we first got to this house that we're in right now and on this block, uh, one of the first things that a few neighbors said was, because they knew we had a little girl, people like to drive really fast down this street. And without me really even knowing the area too well, basically what they were they were implying was that a lot of the fast drivers were from the apartments down the way. And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree that when you are not anchored in some place for good or for at least a long period of time, your concern uh, and or care about your environment is not quite there like it would be if you were uh, <clears throat> to be owning and living there. And I kind of think back to where I grew up uh, in Edina, actually, with two parents who are very far to the left uh, of me. Um, and I think... I think about how, why, why did we move from Minneapolis when I was two years old in a relatively nice neighborhood to the heart of Edina where there wasn't an apartment building anywhere close to us on a block that had three dead ends, meaning that nobody came down our road unless you lived there, would my parents have wanted to choose that spot because they built that house themselves with an architect, uh, would they have lived there or chosen a spot to live that was surrounded by apartment complexes knowing they had a small child at the time? Um, and then uh, I forgot where that was going, but basically... Why would they move out to Edina? Why did they move out to Edina, renting oh, versus owning? At the time when Edina, that's where I was going with that, at the time when Edina was probably the most conservative city inside the 494-694 loop. <laughs> and it has very much changed since then, which is a whole different story. But back in the 80s and 90s, it was extremely conservative uh incredibly safe i mean this was the small or the you know the the city the the small suburb paradise life where i rode my bike for miles and miles and miles without a care in the world and that is just not the case anymore and i remember being on aol instant messenger after the 2004 election down at the university of kentucky when a friend from high school messaged me about how proud she was that Edina, for the first time in its history, voted blue. Maj <laughs> majority blue in 2004. And I can tell you, because I still have a whole lot of friends from high school that have moved back to Edina, Edina is not the same city that it was even 20, 25 years ago. And it is not for the better because of apartments uh, and a school system that is not even close to what it was when I was there. Uh, again, it's the, the point I bring up is not to vilify the apartment dweller. I mean, if you, no. if you go back to what I was saying earlier, I've lived in a lot of places. 
I've lived in a lot of places and buying and selling a house every single time I moved just didn't work at all. It wouldn't even be feasible for uh, going after the jobs I was going for. But the point is, is that looking at this from a different perspective, people come out here to raise their families. Mm-hmm. If we, some people tell me it's a general point. Well, we like Terry. You know, Terry's got a positive thing because she's a cheerleader for the city. If I am going to be a cheerleader for the city and whatsoever, it is because this is the perfect place to raise your family. Keep that small town charm, that small town feel. The last two years, I've literally had kids running up and down my block playing in the middle of the street. Where on earth can you find that anywhere these days? But I've got it in my neighborhood. And I know that the more density that you put in, the more cars you're going to have, the harder it's going to be to actually be able to play anywhere, really. So that becomes more difficult in turn. Again, I don't hate apartments, but is that the right thing for this town? Probably not right now. Yeah, I've used the line about 100 times now because we moved from South St. Paul. We did not move from South St. Paul to Buffalo to have Buffalo become South St. Paul. We liked it out here. We moved out here because this was, I mean, almost literally, but I will use the correct term figuratively, small town paradise. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you, I, I would, you would say your, your vision, at least as far as uh, this aspect of the city goes, is let's not turn Buffalo into Wyzetta. It the, the desire is there to see a vibrant downtown area, businesses, shops, all things of that nature. I think the majority of shops are filled in in downtown. I'd have to go and take a look. I know there are some on some of the back roads that may not be filled, but the rest of them are full. We just don't tend to have a lot of people going in and out of downtown because when half the businesses are only open one weekend a month, how much traffic do you really get down there? Now, removing government center is going to hurt as well because you're no longer going to have that constant stream of people. But I think a more measured long-term approach is going to be better for the city in the long run than it is necessarily going to be to, well, let's rush into something. City planning is one of those things that, I mean, we still live with decisions that are made, you know, 50 years later uh, today. I have uh, a question because when we got out here and were looking for um, internet and TV, we kept seeing the signs for Buffalo Fiber. And when the Spectrum guy came out, he said, "Oh, they've been they've been promising fiber for a long time, uh, and it still has not showed up." in all of the places that they were claiming it would. And sure enough, I still don't have it here when we were told that it would be on our street last summer. So I've had a chance to talk with Jason Newsberger, who is absolutely phenomenal. If you want to actually go and talk to him, he actually reserves chunks of time on Fridays to go and speak with members of the, of the public because he's really, really adamant that people should know what the utilities are doing, how they're doing it, I've been able, just as an average citizen, to go out and get 
tours of the sewage plant, of the water treatment plant. I was told, you want to come in and get a tour of you know the public utilities area? We'll show you all the stuff behind the doors. We love showing the public all this stuff. And to that, Jason's primary uh, tactic for rolling things out has been, let's roll out fiber at the same time as we're already doing maintenance in the area, from what I understand it. Um, I would love to have fiber in my area. Municipal fiber, I think, is a great thing to have specifically because perhaps you've noticed you can only ever get Charter or you can only ever get Verizon or you can only ever get Comcast. You can never get more than one of them apparently in the same area ever. This would be a point at which I would love to see some sort of municipal player come in because we don't really have a level playing field. You want If you want internet and you want a reasonable speed, you get Charter. Discussion starts, discussion stops, that's it. Oh, you, you that... want DSL? Do you want DSL in the world? Do you want to be in the slow lane? Well, then you have to come with charter. Having the municipality put in fiber, I'm not necessarily opposed to that right now. Is Okay, we have spectrum. Is that... Same thing. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, charter communications, spectrum. Sure. Yeah. Got it, got it. Um, and then speaking of utilities, uh, my wife will notice message boards and people just talking around Buffalo about why the utility bills in Buffalo are so outrageously expensive comparatively to the cities surrounding us. So there's a couple of reasons. One of the first reasons is Buffalo has incurred an absolute mountain of debt upon itself. I'll get to that a little bit more in detail, but for right now, the water treatment plant that was built is we're using about 50% of the capacity right now. And that was built years ago. So all that has been built out, but it has to be paid for. It was done in loans. Water treatment plant is in the process of being updated. That also is going to have to actually be redone in the next 10, 15 years. And that's probably 10 to $15 million right there assuming that inflation doesn't turn it into 30 or $45 million at this point. Uh, another thing is that there have been no rate adjustments on utilities for probably 10 years, not keeping in line with inflation or with uh, cost of production. So all of a sudden, 10 years worth of increases showed up overnight. Uh, there's a couple of different reasons, but debt is a big part. And one of the big sources of debt is the utilities were made to hold about $6 million worth of debt to keep Wild Marsh running. The Wild Marsh fiasco, from what I am hearing from everybody. Continue. Yeah. Um, so Wild Marsh, Wild Marsh is in debt to roughly, well, has been in debt to the tune of about $9 million. There's still about $2.5 million extant from the original loans that came out. Uh, the city paid in about half a million dollars this year specifically for maintenance, upkeep, upgrades, things that basically needed to be done if you were going to keep it a golf course. And then $6 million in debt was accrued by taking half a million dollars from the utilities each year just to basically keep the place running. It was said possibly that it finally went into the black during the year where they locked everybody down. But that's specifically because they didn't run the restaurant. And even then, the, the amount of money which was made is was so minimal compared to the amount of losses 
municipal golf courses do not make a profit and a discussion. Uh, and it, I'm told that we want to keep a golf course in this city because Wild Marsh puts us on the map. We're in Wright County. You can hardly go more than five miles without finding another golf course. I mean, good grief. Within a quarter mile of Wild Marsh is Buffalo Heights, another golf course. Go out to Maple Lake or Annandale area. There's a 27-hole golf course out there. I think it's called like Albion Heights or something like that. Golf courses are everywhere. But it was seen fit by the council and the mayor that, no, we're going to just keep on putting money in. We'll just take some money out of the utilities, just give them the debt, and then we'll keep on pumping it into Wild Marsh over and over and over and over. Well, here's the problem. Now they need to service the debt. Now, somebody reached out to me recently and said, uh, I think the utilities are cheating us. You know, I think that our electrical rates, you know, I think we're being nickeled and dimed and we're just being taken to the cleaners. Again, I keep on going back to Jason Newsberger, but he has been absolutely phenomenal in answering my questions. And I asked him about this and he went, well, our utility rates are roughly equivalent, if not cheaper to everybody else around here, either Hennepin Electric or Excel, specifically for the amounts that show up on your check, they're roughly equivalent to those amounts. That's what I understand from it. And I look at the books and I go, well, obviously we're getting charged an arm and a leg and a leg and an arm and then a couple of fingers tossed in for good measure. But I look at the books under the budget and there's a certain amount of money, I think it's about a million dollars or so transferred from the electrical utility into the city, which is effectively the profits for the city to do with, to basically run the city. And then after that, over the next five years, they have to come up with $10 million for upgrades, for upgrades, replacements. Right now, the lead time on a truck, to uh, like a heavy-duty frame truck, is something between 40 to 80 weeks. Like, it is incredible how far out they have to go. And that's the same thing you look for skid steer upgrades. I mean, their equipment that they have gets to the point where literally buying something brand new becomes cheaper because the maintenance they have to do is so expensive. They keep these trucks running as long as they possibly can, but after a certain point you have to upgrade. And if you didn't have the debt service in there, you could probably knock down your utility rates a fair amount, but the utilities are forced to deal with that debt. And, and it, it, that debt's ruinous. It always is, and it hurts us, but the problem is that the money was spent with the assumption that, well, we'll just pay it back in the future. And I mean, Buffalo, if Buffalo has been phenomenal at anything, it's been having that same kind of mindset of, you know, we're just going to be able to pay for it now, and then we'll pay it off in the future, because obviously the returns will come one day from what we're doing, and there won't be any problems whatsoever. The city is currently, and I, I looked up the numbers today to make sure from the 2022 budget, so we're currently in $75 million worth of debt, and that's if we pay it off today. According to their schedule, with the debt paid off in 2040, we'll have paid almost $100 million on the debt in total, including principal, and then it's all the interest that accrues from that. Now, we were very lucky 
to be able to renegotiate some of our bonds into better uh, interest rates. I think we got some of them under like one and a half percent or like right around there. So phenomenal rates. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that you still have a mountain of debt. Now that 75 million amount, that's assuming that we're not going to have any other debts accrue at this point in time. We have a water treatment plant that's coming up to the tune of $15 million. What would I be doing? I'd be putting away my money as fast as I can. It hurts that we pay these rates, but here's the problem. For many, many years, everybody assumes growth is infinite. And when times are good, obviously growth just goes up forever. But the problem is that decisions were made like that and growth isn't eternal. I mean, we live on one planet. There's a finite amount of resources. There's a finite amount of water, as we were just talking about earlier. The bills are coming due and it hurts because we made poor decisions in the past that are now coming back to haunt us now. I mean, do you know actually how much of your property tax levy is going for debt service? I do not. 37 cents of every dollar. Huh. to the city it's that much it's about three and a half million dollars out of the nine and a half million dollars they intend to collect for property taxes this year are going to go pay for debt so we could hypothetically if we had no debt left we could drop our taxes by a third give or take i mean that's literally what debt does um again we have to pay for all of these things the golf course thankfully we're selling it off i'm i'm not real thrilled that we're selling it for less than two million dollars at this point it's not really going to make we're still going to have principal left on it how much do we know how much it's worth or does it have a does it have a kelly blue book value on it well so we had the the city had some people come in at the beginning of the year and take a look at the golf course and basically give them a series of options and the option that the people thought that could net the most amount of money was over the course of five to 10 years, parcel it off and sell it in lots. And they thought they could get four odd million dollars for it, which to be honest, I think we could probably get more for it, especially at this point, considering the way that property values are just skyrocketing like crazy. But it was decided and the, the mayor was very ardent that the that Wild Marsh is a I can't remember the direct quote, but it's effectively, it's a, a jewel in our diadem. It's a jewel in our crown. It's something that puts us on the map and people come to Buffalo to play golf. I, I gotta be honest, I don't see enough people coming to Buffalo explicitly to play golf to really make a massive difference in the local economy. Agreed. Golf by and large has been declining in popularity for the last 20 years give or take i would personally have loved to see wild marsh become a tr uh, a shooting range of some sort high school trap is the fastest growing sport in minnesota i would love that i would love that a lot because i know we have a, a minnesota uh shooting area over on 55 but yeah. the only thing they do is trap yeah. buffalo trap i would love to see it expanded into handgun range into rifle range just because just up the road, 25, if you don't know, there's the Monticello Gun yeah. Club. Which is sounds amazing and outrageously expensive, I believe. It's and an $1,000 share <laughs> yeah. to buy in. 
And here's the thing. And don't you have to be on a waiting list? That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. You actually have to put down 50 bucks to get on the waiting list. And if when your name comes up, you bail, you're off for good. So people want some place to go shoot. Yes. I, I mean, the, the closest place I typically go shooting is Target Sports over in Rogers. But then that's 20 to $40 every single time that I want to go shoot, plus all the gas. We belong to Rainbow Gun Club in Cocado. I is... belong to Monticello Rod and Gun, which is the closest one that I could get access to on the regular. It's still a 25-minute drive, yep. depending on traffic. 23 but, for me. But at the same time, I'm glad that I've got it because mm-hmm. then I can go, I can do trap. I can do range shooting, I can do archery, I can do pistol, mm-hmm. and they throw all sorts of events, which is great and helps to build a sense of community. Now, the golf course, one of the major caveats of why it's being sold for so little is because the city was adamant that it's going to stay a golf course for a certain period of time. I don't know the specific length of time, but it's, I think it's five to ten years the place has to remain a golf course. Hmm. So if the people who are buying it can make a profit off of it hooray i'm glad they can it'll be tax revenue for the city that's great it's not going to be weighing us down where we just pump in money continuously over and over it's going to be a private business that needs to live or die on itself alone and if it's doing that and it's giving us tax revenue great i don't really have any more complaints than that so So it seems like uh, we're in a constant state of another apocalypse is just around the corner. Uh, Who knows when there will be another virus coming from someplace else, possibly in a lab that you can't talk about until everyone (laughs) talks about it and then acknowledges that everyone that was crazy in the beginning was possibly not crazy. Uh, And now monkeypox, why don't you... Yeah, give us your thoughts on anything medical and mandates uh, if you were to become mayor. Here, Here's the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing we've learned over the course of the last five years is that experts are advisors, but they shouldn't be policymakers. They really need to come down and be able to say, listen, this is what I understand. This is what I recommend which is the same way it is for any hospital or doctor. I mean, there was just that uh, uh, that Pennsylvanian uh, primary candidate who almost died of a heart attack or a blood clot, and his doctor released a note saying, I talked to him five years ago. I told him you need to do these things to stay alive, and he did not do these things. The point is, is that especially with everything that we've learned just in the last 18 months, if I have, if I'm mayor, the, one of the main things I'm going to do is I'm going to make this town a medical freedom sanctuary because, and here's the biggest thing. It doesn't stop you from wearing a mask at all. If you feel that your safety is enhanced by wearing a piece of cloth over your face, who am I to argue with you on that, on how you feel? I might be able to argue from a different point, but if that's what you feel, I mean, that's fine. Society has changed enough in the last two years to before that. We wouldn't allow it. Now we do. All right, that's fine. 
But at the same time, just because you feel uncomfortable is no reason why everybody else needs to bend over backwards to make you feel more comfortable. We all have our own lives to live together. I'm not a communist. I refuse to be a communist. I refuse to have the greater good be the primary reason why I am going to let anything happen in this city. There's a difference between having a greater good and caring for resources that are going to be meant for the future. One is claiming that, well, if it benefits 51 people versus 49 out of 100, then obviously this is a thing that we must do and there can be no questions. The other one is we only have so much of everything. How do we make sure that whatever we spend it on, be it water, land, electricity, how do we make sure that there's going to be some left for tomorrow and how do we make sure it's going to stay in a good state? Uh, again, I don't support masks at all. I used to work for companies that made actually mask fitting technology. I think I'm relatively well versed overall in it, but I've gone out, I've done my research, I've done to the best of my ability, be able to come up with the reasons why I believe these things. I advise everybody to be able to do that. And again, to assume that doctors are people too, they can be wrong. So find a second opinion, find somebody who disagrees, take a look at what they say and go from there. I just thought of something, uh, especially in keeping with our first interview from last Friday. If you have any thoughts on a lot of the concerned parents in the school system here, because that was another thing that in moving out here, I was like, we're safe. But it appears as though there is a lot going on in Buffalo High School that... Yeah, um... I've had friends call me up or tell me about how uh, their children were forced to walk out for a Black Lives Matter rally, unbeknownst to the parents, I believe. And then when their kid walked out for a Blue Lives Matter rally, the teacher actually punished the kid by making him write a five-paragraph essay, basically coercing the kid to force them to claim that walking out for the cops was a bad thing to do, that they needed to explain to the teacher why they shouldn't be reported. I mean. This is stuff that is unacceptable at all. You keep your politics out of education. The whole point of education is to get people with the skills they need to be able to be a functioning member of society, and indoctrination is not one of those at all. My personal two cents, we have St. Xavier's Academy to the north. We have Impact Christian Academy getting spun up right now. Their first year is actually this fall. Homeschooling resources are so phenomenal that you could not begin. You think it's just, oh man, I have to manage all this stuff on my own. We have so many homeschoolers out here in Wright County. You probably just have to, it's like turning up a rock and you can't believe what you find underneath it. There's all these wonderful and interesting programs. My wife and I have been looking into it specifically because we want to homeschool our daughter. I mean, my wife's already been doing stuff and she's 16 months old. Simple things, shapes. Mm -hmm. colors. Mm -hmm. But to be told that uh, a teacher is right and that my daughter should hate herself because of the color of her skin and because of that she needs to be a terrible person and to be then lectured by Bill Nye the science guy apparently about how sex doesn't mean your biological chromosomes. That's so far off into the realm of wrong. Now what can I do as mayor on that? I can't do anything. But I can vote with my feet, and I can keep my kids out of those schools. 
Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, well, well, yeah. Uh, give us a, a roundup of everything you're thinking as far as what you would do, your desires, your visions, uh, basically what you want if you become mayor. Sure. I, I, th- I like to think that, I mean, over the last 45 minutes or however long we've been going. 55. 55 minutes. Uh, we've pretty thoroughly gone over it, but again, to restate it into simple points, obviously you've listened to 55 minutes to get to the simple part of it. Um, Buffalo, under my watch, I will do the best of my ability to keep it a small town where you want to raise your family. Let's look at ways to keep it a small town. Let's find ways to keep it safe. Uh, fiscal responsibility. Debt is the primary concern. Be able to make sure that the investments that we make are going to be wise ones. If we have to spend money, then we have to spend money. But let's make sure that we're not, say, uh, taking out loans for road maintenance, like has been done within the past 10 years multiple times. Let's actually make sure that the money that's being spent and the taxes we levy are being made for the right reasons. And lastly, I would really love to be able to start opening up the city far more to the citizens than how it is right now. The website that they've just rolled out is a great start, but I would love to be able to go onto the website and see here are all the loans that we have, here's the amount that they've been paid off, here's when they mature, have a specific site on the webpage to say here's how money's being transferred in between internal buckets so we can see when say, uh, so when the electric department transfers money over the golf course, when the liquor department transfers money someplace else, citizens can see what it's for, how much it's for, where it's going, the why, all of that kind of stuff. And the other thing I'd really love to do is I'd love to be able to find some sort of way to be able to reach out to people aside from having some sort of thing in your utility bill. I've been told that's the primary way the city tells people about things like water restrictions or things that are coming up or other things of that nature. We have to do at least a little bit better. I know we've got a Facebook group. I know we've got a Twitter account. But there's got to be a better way. And... I mean, I, I honestly can't believe that we don't have as smart of people working for us here in Buffalo or smart enough citizens to figure out, not to be able to figure out a better way to be able to reach out to citizens and let them know what's going on. Wonderful. Okay. Well, that is 57 minutes of Jeremiah Patrick telling us why he would like to run for mayor. And you can visit him at jp4buffalo.com. That is a for Buffalo as in F-O-R. So J-P-F-O-R Buffalo.com. And that is all for us right now. Coming in at just under an hour. Wow. We're professionals. Time just flies, doesn't it? It does. Especially when you're having fun. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me here, Daniel. Absolutely. Uh, As usual, keep it logical. Keep it right. Right County. Rock and roll.